in a year where we are deprived of summer superhero blockbusters. Two men, one fanboy and one know-it-all, strive to take on the endless void of nothingness that is the summer of 2020. This is Pop Culture with Fanboy and Know-It-All, colon, the Superhero Olympics. <laughs> that might have been one of your best intros ever. That was pretty all right. What is up, my nerds? Welcome inside Pop Culture with Fanboy and Know It All. And back inside our crazy brains. I'm Jake. I am Paul. And. <clears throat> Paul, are you missing superhero movies right now? Oh my goodness, am I missing superhero movies. Goodness gracious. I I miss sports, number one. Miss superheroes, number two. Because we should have seen like three or four or five by now, right? Absolutely. I mean, at this point, I would be ready for them to re-release Hancock in theaters. <laughs> and that shows a level of desperation that I never thought I'd hear. Right? Oh, uh, yeah. One of the most disappointing superhero movies of all time. But I digress. <laughs> we, Paul, as you, you know, we are, we are starving. We are starving for our new superhero flicks. We really are. We were, ex- that- I was expecting to see Black Widow by now. I was expecting, I mean, Wonder Woman 1984 was supposed to be out. Yep. So many Mulan. things. Mulan. Mulan's a superhero in my book. Yeah, I don't think she technically qualifies. <laughs> it's just me. Well, you know what, Paul? That's my truth. So. <laughs> that's that's all that matters. It's all that matters. Um, so Paul and I, being two nerds, two geeks, starved for superhero entertainment, thought we should fill this void by going back and watching our favorite scenes from the superhero movies that have already been released and rank them definitively because as we have said time and time again on this show, that's what we white men do. <laughs> we come up with the definitive lists. We love our list. Cue the Borat. Not. We also are going to do um, some superhero questions 20 questions but not the traditional 20 questions <laughs> no no Paul, there was you want to ex- question of that before you want to explain the 20 questions that you're gonna yeah. yes this is a this is a throwback to something we did several months ago and never revisited i'm not exactly sure whether it's just because you hated it so much jake or because we just forgot about it but because I loved it so much, I I knew I needed to keep the audience on like irregular drips. Exactly. Or else I'd get too much. So this is going to be 20 rapid fire questions that I am going to ask Jake. And he's going to have to answer. To And the, the questions can range from anything superhero related. We're going to be, I mean, it, it, just to give you an example, this isn't even on the list, but it would be Marvel or DC. And your answer would be? Marvel. 
wrong. That's, except then I guess except for Lego Batman. <laughs> oh yeah, I didn't do any Lego related questions on here. Now I feel like I need to go back and add a few more. 20... Let's wrap it. Let's wrap it and reshoot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there can always be a part 2 because this this coronavirus isn't going anywhere too anywhere soon, so we might have more opportunities to do these. That's true. And uh, all good summers are filled with superhero movies releasing the same weekend as one another, one weekend after each other, bumping and jostling and doing secret releases so they can co-opt other films. I think Avengers did that just a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. 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 It, I still remember, I think it was 2017, the greatest year in superhero movie history. It was, oh, it was a good year. Yeah. Thor Ragnarok, Wonder Woman, Spider-Man Far From Home. No, Spider-Man Homecoming, excuse me. And, of course, Wolverine, which, which was really great. Really Logan, great. you mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Logan. That's what I meant. That's it right. Was so great that I forgot its name. <laughs> uh, and, of course, we will wrap up the show the way we always love to wrap up the show. Uh, with the most least important thing. The most least important thing for this segment being that Paul listed all these superhero movies from 2017 and again forgot to list the Lego Batman movie, which came out in 2017. <laughs> oh, so bitter. So bitter. Come on, Paul. Yes, Come on. Fine, it was good. Nobody's going to trust your list of best superhero movie scenes because of all the gross and flagrant violations that have happened in this opening segment. It was just fine. Lego Batman was just fine. That is one of your worst takes. <laughs> and I stand by that. But uh, before we get to ranking the definitive list of the best superhero movie scenes of all time, or the most least important thing, it's time for some rapid fire superhero movie trivia. Not trivia. I don't know why I said trivia. <laughs> 20 questions. 20 rapid fire questions that Paul's going to punch me in the superhero okay. with. Right? All right. 20 questions. All right. Let's segment. Cue segment. Roll it. Roll it. Editor, roll, this, roll the music. Play it. Right now. Lumba bum bum. Here we go. 20 questions all about superheroes. I'm ready. My body is ready. Why I don't do more music on this show, I don't know. All right. Number one. This is going to be rapid fire, but we're just going to... Rapid fire. So I'm just going to ask you these, and Uh then if I have a huge problem, we may have to stop in the middle just so I'll remember to cost you for but but okay for the most part rapid fire Deal. first one is easy best superhero movie captain america nope 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 spider-man into the spider-verse Ooh, best superhero movie made before iron man men in black mm, i don't know if that counts but yeah oh I'm... no it's a comic book movie not really a superhero movie yeah. so i don't think that one counts um yeah. Before, 
I'm before Iron Man. I'm gonna go with. Darn it! I'm gonna get blasted for this one. <laughs> but I'm gonna go with uh, Sam Raimi's Spider Man. Oh, not a bad choice. Not a bad choice. Speaking of which, best Spider Man: Tobey Maguire or Andrew Garfield? It I had- preferred. I preferred Garfield. Okay. Most underrated X Man. Uh, Nightcrawler. Ooh, nice pull. Best Batman between Val Kilmer and Ben Affleck. Uh, Val Kilmer. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that that says something about it. Ben Affleck. I think. Ooh, I I really wanted to see Ben Affleck's Batman. We just didn't give him any time. No, we really didn't. I loved the beginning that they showed us with Affleck's Batman. If there was more of that, I'd go for Affleck. Who would you want most to play Superman? Oh, that's open-ended. I thought you were going to give me (laughs) Totally open-ended. You can say anybody you want from Drew Barrymore to Kanye West. Oh, like Keith Stanfeld. All right, you're. I have no idea who that is. <laughs> Donald <laughs> Donald Glover. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Okay. That's actually that's actually the real one, Donald Glover. Donald Glover. Hmm. Interesting choice. Who would win, Thanos or Superman? Would Infinity Wars have been over so much quicker if Superman had been part of the puzzle? Um. Does Thanos have the gauntlet? Let's say he has two gems in the gauntlet. He has what he had when he shows up in uh, the Thor Ragnarok vehicle and beats up Hulk at the I think Thanos. I think Thanos wins. No. Yeah. No. That's yeah. wrong. That's totally wrong. He's, he's eaten enough worlds that he's gotten – he's probably got some kryptonite dust – you know, just kind of in his DNA at this point. So you su- Superman would, you know, not maybe be totally weekend, but just yeah, enough. Just enough. Just enough. Worst Marvel superhero movie. Uh, Thor. Was it Thor Dark World? Thor the Dark yeah. World. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fairly unanimous choice. Although, if you count like the Fantastic Four movies, that's uh, true. That's true. Fantastic Four. That might be worse. Ooh, that was not good. Who do you think is richer, Tony Stark or Bruce Wayne? Boy, uh, they both have those military contracts. That's what's up, you know. <laughs> um, I think Tony Stark though, because he's got those medical contracts as well. So I, I got to go Tony Stark here. Mm, interesting. The saddest superhero. Uh, Eeyore. <laughs> uh, besides that, besides uh, Eeyore, let's see. Clint, Clint. Uh, no, 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 Black Widow. Does she count? She really is. She's not really a super though. She, oh yeah, she counts. She counts. She's in the superhero universe, so she would totally count. What a devastating backstory. Oh, she is kind of sad. But what about what about the thing? I don't know the thing. thing. I don't know the thing. So there you go. It seems kind of sad to me. I feel bad for him. 
All right. I mean, if it was, I could also go with uh, Joker from The Killing Joke. Um, no, that doesn't count. You can't. You can't list super villains. Okay. That's wrong. All right. Uh, least super superhero. However, you want to define least super. Um. Let's see. It, it's got to be. It's got to be Batman, right? He's he's really got very little super stuff going for him. At least Iron Man built a suit that gave him, you know, Batman builds cool gadgets, that's fine, but he's not super in any way. Iron Man gets the super from right. the suit. So. So what about Hawkeye? Do you think Hawkeye- I wouldn't I just don't consider him a super. That's why I wasn't sure about the Black Widow answer, but if it's if it's between Black Eye and or Black Eye, <laughs> Hawkeye and Black Widow. Then I also have to actually go Black Widow because at least Hawkeye's got that like supervision almost. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. can shoot him. He can shoot some mean arrows. That is for yeah. sure. Um, best sidekick, and again, uh, find it. Yeah. Um. Does it? Can I count Miles Morales as the sidekick to Peter B. Parker and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse? Because if so, then that. Slam dunk. I think you got it. Peter Porker, also runner-up. Yes. yes, Peter Porker. That's that's who I would have selected. <laughs> I really liked Arthur from The Tick. I think that he would be pretty great. Ah, see, that's one I've never caught back up on. Oh, The Tick is so great. Uh, who stretches better? Mr. Fantastic or Mr. Fantastic or Mrs. Incredible? I think it's got to be Mrs. Incredible. I've never seen Mr. Fantastic do some of the things that Mrs. Incredible has done. Best accessories. Uh, I'll give this one to Batman. All right. Yeah. Yeah. The the shark repellent puts him over the top. (laughs) The shark repellent. Yeah. The bat shark repellent. All right. Best hangout. Who has the best hangout? Oh, it's easily Tony Stark. Over the Batcave? Oh, yeah. The Batcave is too dark and dingy. Like, Tony Stark has just plush. He's got the amenities. He's (laughs) got the amenities with the capital T. You know what I'm saying? Okay, let me just say, if you go back into the comics, right? Yeah. You read Batman in the Batcave. He has like a whole museum of all his crazy things that have tried to kill him over the years. There's a giant coin hanging in the middle of it. There's You didn't ask for best museum. <sighs> you said the best hangout. Oh my goodness. Okay. If I want to see a tr- if I want to see who's got the best museum, all right, fine. Batcave. <laughs> if I want to kick it with my homies, Tony Stark's you know the hangout that I always wanted to, to hang out in, actually? The Fortress of Solitude? Well, that would have been pretty cool, too. Like, <laughs> like the old 1970s Super Friends cartoon. Oh, I never watched that. The Justice League looked... They had a very sweet hangout. It was like... A, I don't even know what it was called. The Temple of Justice or whatnot. But it was <laughs> super cool. It was great. All right. So speaking of hangout... Who is the superhero you'd most like to hang out with? Not when superhero stuff. Just when, just like to to have some sopapillas or whatnot. Fat Thor. (laughs) Fair enough. Video games, (laughs) brews, food. 
All epic, right. epic accent. See, I think I'd choose Vision. Oh, that's creepy. I think that, you know, being the, the introvert that I am, I think we would get along really well. Yeah. Uh, the superhero that should get a new movie or remake. So in other words, the superhero that has not gotten a movie yet or someone who has been mistreated in the movies that he has been or she has been in. Yeah. It's a great question, but this is where my know-it-allness is exposed in that, as I've alluded to in my own tragic backstory, I didn't read superhero comics growing up. So I really don't have much knowledge of superheroes outside of the movies. (laughs) But uh, um, you know what? I think think that um, a little sidekick – is actually uh, little Dick, little Dick, little Dick Gray from from the Batman universe. Yeah. I'd like to see his origin story a little bit more. Learn more about Robin. Fly, Robin, fly. <laughs> you know. Dick, oh, sorry, Dick Grayson. There we go. Yes, little Dick doesn't work. <laughs> that's, that's not appropriate. It's got us our first E rating. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's awkward. Yeah, you know, well, we could we could have a talk about Robin later. But uh, okay, so what superhero movie can you not wait to show your kids? I think it's I think it's Iron Man, just because that was that was my superhero nerddom. Uh, is it sacrilegious to say baptism <laughs> in this context? I think it is. Um, but it was like, I didn't know anything. I didn't read comics. I didn't know any, I hadn't watched anything other than Sam Raimi's Spider-Man films. I saw the trailers for Iron Man. I thought that, that looks pretty dumb. I watched it. I was blown away. And so, I don't know, maybe I'll be disappointed, but that's the one I want to show my kids. So I just learned something new about you. I did not know how big a deal Iron Man was in your superhero history. Like, so you didn't even care to see it, but no. you did it anyway. No, I, I actually argued with my best friend and I were hanging out. He wanted to go see it. It was opening weekend. And I said, I'm not paying to go see it. I don't want to spend my money on it. I saw the trailer. It does not look interesting to me. I will not spend my money on it. He's like, we argued back and forth for 10 or 15 minutes. And he was finally like, if I pay for you, will can we go see this right now? <laughs> And being the good Midwestern boy that I am, if somebody offers to pay for something for you, you do it. You don't turn it down. You don't turn that down. I know this very well. That would be unchristian. (laughs) So he and I traipsed off to watch Iron Man. And it was incredible. My mind was blown and I saw it for free. There you go. Never paid him back. No, that's pretty interesting. I have an Iron Man story myself, but. Maybe we should go on with the rest of this list here because we're almost done. So who is the superhero most likely to land in HR oh. in trouble in a corporate environment and go to HR? I mean, it's for sure Tony Stark, but that's just too on the nose. So <laughs> uh, beyond that, it's Deadpool. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be pretty obvious yeah coolest supervillain best supervillain of all time so they they must be super then right i'm assuming 
No, they just have to be in the superhero universe. Gotcha. Well, then you got to go with Heath Ledger's Joker. There you go. But what? But if you take the actor out of it, like, sure. You mean like coolest? Like he's slick. I'd chill with this dude if he wasn't so evil. <laughs> All right, so then it's got to be Obadiah Stone. Oh, yeah. I, I tell you, Jeff uh, Jeff Bridges in that film, he's just so bomb. Until he becomes evil, I'm like, I want that dude to be my father. He... And I have a great father. <laughs> it's not a knock against you, Dad. I don't want him to be my dad over you. I'm just saying, if you happen to not be my father, Obadiah Stone looked like a good second place until he became super evil. Yeah, yeah. Right up until the point he became super evil. He really did rock that bald head, too. I mean, oh, and the beard and his voice. Oh, oh, get out of here. All of a sudden, I have a new role model. Just start talking about that? Yes. Much hair anyway. Absolutely. No, I said this. I said this at the time when it came out. I said... My old man goals are Jeff Bridges from Iron Man. I want to look I want to be Jeff Bridges from Iron Man as an old man. Just need to lose some hair and you're good to go. That's right. I can bick it. I can bick it. Patrick Stewart. My old man goal, Patrick Stewart. I'll need to I'll need to uh develop some sort of English accent. Yep. That's I, the easy part. Yeah, I can do that. I yeah. can do that. I'm not gonna try it out now, but oh, last question. Last, Last one. This may be 21 for all I know, but <laughs> the superhero who'd have the most follow-worthy Twitter feed. Mm, I mean, it's got to go back to Deadpool though, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It'd be horrible, but you'd be like, a, it, you got it's like a train wreck. You got to keep seeing what he's tweeting. Um, got to keep seeing him. Beyond that, um, Fat Thor. <laughs> You know, a couple of these and thous, some Twitch streams. I don't know if you <laughs> tweet. I just, I can't quite picture it. Okay, okay, okay. Doctor Strange then, maybe? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. That might be pretty all right. Get some science in there, some some smart, witty humor that goes above most people's heads, except for brilliant people like myself. <laughs> he might he might turn over the Twitter feed to his cape every once in a while, which would be yeah. I tell you what, Doctor Strange, in retrospect, I like that movie more and more. I know that was one of your least favorite superhero movies, but... Yeah, it, it, it wasn't my thing. It's not a bad movie. It just wasn't my favorite in the in the MCU. Mm, yeah. Yeah, well, I got that. I mean, you know, it seems like, did we already rate all these superhero movies, all the movies in the MCU? I believe we did. We we did, but I think when we did, there were only like fifteen or something <laughs> like that. There's like twice that. Yeah, we haven't done like the top thirty yet. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe, maybe if the coronavirus goes on for longer, then we can do that. Yeah, the summer of superhero Olympics will continue. All right, all right. So that's all I got for you on twenty questions. Excellent. That was fun. Uh, I can't wait to be dragged I can... by Twitter. I really do take issue with your coolest hangout, though. That is wrong. Wrong. It's it's the, the appropriate answer for the question. The Bat Cave is, by definition, because it's a cave, it's very cool, and it also is. Oh, cool. I see. Temperature wise, temperature. Well, then Fortress of Solitude. Yeah. <laughs> so you're wrong both ways. 
<laughs> Goodness. Goodness. All right. Speaking of wrongness, let's go rank some stuff. Rank Geeks, it's time (laughs) to enumerate some theatrical scenes of superhero-ness in in an order that we decide and determine all on our own. Yeah, who? You know, that feels like it's supposed to be some sort of impression, but I'm not at all sure who it is. It's just me being super bad. Paul's gonna lose his day job. I tell you, I because tell. because I was talking about an obstinate donkey. I feel like I need to have a bleep button on <laughs> on your own earballs. Exactly, I listen to this stuff all the time. Sorry, word. I don't sorry, Paul. This podcast don't bruise my sensitive ears like that. Uh, as promised, beyond ruining Paul's sensitive ears. We are going to give you our definitive ranking of the best superheroes movie scenes of all time. Though I guess we didn't specify movies. No, we really didn't. You know, but but I I, so my list probably would be different if I was including shows. And in fact, I know it would be different if I was including shows. So I'll just say for me, I only did movies. I only did movies as well, and I also only did, as it turns out, action scenes. Oh, interesting. Yeah, you know, I I thought about, I I had a lot of other scenes that I wanted to include. Like, if we were doing like a full top 25 list or something, I think the shawarma scene at the very end of of Avengers would have made the list for me. So good. So good. But but as it was, you know, what really made it into my top five, all just a bunch of superheroes kicking keister all over the place. Well, with that, Paul... Give us number five. Number five. This is, uh, I went to DC for this one, actually. All right. And and I think one of the things that you might notice with this is that the score, the soundtrack, has a huge um, impact on how I perceive some of these scenes. And number five is definitely evidence of that. Okay. Is Wonder Woman saving the town of Veld? Mm. Um, fantastic action sequence, super great. She's flying around, she's kicking people, she's running into church steeples and breaking them down to take down snipers. It is a really fantastically well put together scene in the first place. But the thing that really made it work for me is that killer Wonder Woman theme. I mean, mm-hmm. the theme for Wonder Woman, that's got to be one of the most iconic um, the most iconic music that you have attached to any superhero anywhere, actually. So, yeah, it's Wonder Woman Saving Veld, number five for me. That's a great pick. It was one I considered and looked back on as I was building my list. Um I was I was debating between two at my at the bottom of my top five, uh, so I'll give you a little honorable mention for the one that's going to fall to number six here. All right, and and that is Quicksilver 
cleans up the kitchen in X-Men Days of Future Past, which is set to the song Time in a Bottle by Jim Croce. And for my money, it is the most perfect rendering of a super speed scene in cinematic history. Uh, it's so good. The humor, the the song that doesn't quite feel like it fits at first, but then by the end is just absolutely perfect for what they do humor-wise and action-wise in the scene, how they render it cinematically. So good. Hmm. But, but it but. got beat out for number five by the Black Widow interrogation from the first Avengers film. So good like it was it was joss whedon just letting us know that this film was about to rock our world when you have black widow just being interrogated in russian by these menacing mobsters and then they're interrupted by a phone call (laughs) i'm working here i'm working here you can't interrupt me and then the the comedic pacing of that scene and then when black widow just kicks everyone's keister with literally her hands tied behind her back behind a chair and then, you know, picks up her heels as she leaves. You're just like, boom, buckle up folks. The Avengers is here. So I'm going to go on a little bit more about this scene because it is number four on my list. It, and I tell you what, one of the things I think black widow has some of the best fight scenes in in the Avengers universe, in the MCU. She just, she literally kicks butt. She just does. I almost, I, another scene that, that I thought about including on here was her very first introduction in Iron Man 2. Iron Man 2 didn't have a lot going for it, really. No. <laughs> but the introduction of Black Widow in that killer scene in, in what was it? It's just a bank or something like that. She was, she was awesome in that. And but I think that she ratcheted things up a little bit for for Avengers and just the idea of her flipping around, as you say, hands tied behind her back, flipping with the chair still tied to her. It was it was great. You knew that Black Widow, you knew that Natasha Romanoff was definitely she might not have superpowers, but she was definitely a force to be reckoned with. And man, what a great what a great way to make sure that everybody knew that she was a worthy part of the Avengers. Yeah. Yeah. Paul mentioned this in an email recently and I went back and I rewatched it because I thought that was a good scene, but is it worthy of beating out some of this other stuff on my top five? And I just watched it and I felt those feelings of watching the Avengers for the first time. And I was laughing at all the comedic moments and I was oohing and I, it, it got me and I was like, it has to be there. So. Yeah, it's it's kind of impressive, actually, just when you think about the number of really great action sequences there are in, in the Avengers and just number of great scenes, too. I mean, you've got, again, the shawarma scene, which had nothing to do with fighting at all, and it was still rock solid. Um, right. But for the for the Black Widow scene to, to hold up to anything else in the movie, I think that says something about that. Yeah. Yeah, actually, it makes me go back to the question you asked me about which one I can't wait to show my kids. And the Avengers is a strong contender in that case. All right, number four for me is is an opening scene for a superhero film. It sets the tone for the film perfectly as it actually mocks uh, other films. And so it just was the perfect fit for number four on my list. And that is the opening... Um, 
crime, Joker crime in the Lego Batman movie. <laughs> so the the Lego Batman movie opens on a black screen and music. And then you have Will Arnett as Batman coming in and be like, black. All great movies start with a black screen and some epic music. You know, some really creepy stuff that makes parents and studio executives nervous. And I'm like, yes! This is so true because I've been hounding Paul on this. All all these classic movies open with a black screen and music for ten minutes. (laughs) But... Then, then he proceeds to narrate the rest of the credits as you know, War- <laughs> the Warner Bros. logo comes up. He's like, Warner Bros. I mean, brothers. <laughs> and, and then it gives way into the Joker enacting his latest scheme on Gotham City. And the way it sets it all up is, for me, it's perfect pacing of setting up the story, setting up what you as the audience are supposed to expect for the rest of the film. It's got epic music to Paul's point about needing a good soundtrack. It's got these comedic moments that again, just really surprise you and get you out of nowhere and let you know that this movie is going to be unlike anything you expected it to be. And it's going to be worth it. Yeah. I tell you that that is pretty good. I, I think in terms, I did enjoy that. It was, it was a pretty good opening scene. If I'm going to go, if we were ranking, <laughs> which we are, hero opening scenes, <laughs> which you could actually do. Oh I mean, yeah, I I think I would have to give the nod to Deadpool. I hate mm. to say it, but the intro to Deadpool, with all the little clever asides to some famous person, these other writer guys who don't. <laughs> It, it was very, very clever. Um, I, yeah, Deadpool might might beat it out in terms of funny opening scenes. It's, I'd have to watch it. I'll have to look it up on YouTube. Yeah, you, I think you will, although it has some bad language. But that sort of fits the podcast. <laughs> As I was trying to look up, watch through all these scenes to like confirm my rankings, I watch, I've not watched Deadpool, but I watched the X-Force like parachute scene oh yeah oh my gosh <laughs> so, woo! all right you know deadpool in my day job i rank those movies fairly lowly on the family friendly roster yeah man they do have some funny moments though i do have to say all right number, number three number three for me the airport fight Captain America Civil War. Solid scene. Man, I tell you what, that was that was super fun. It, it was I think really the first time in the Marvel Cinematic Universe where you saw except for the the one of the scenes in the Avengers where you have the big 3, Thor, Captain America, Iron Man locking down. Um this was the first time when you saw a bunch of superheroes taking on a bunch of superheroes. Right. And it became a, a pretty ironically fun scene especially when you think about what comes after when you think about just the the bleak and tragic story of the the captain america iron man friendship sort of separating at the end of that which just tore my heart out this one was one of the funnest scenes in in the mcu it had 
a lightness about it. It had some action and suspense to it. You didn't know who won or who was going to win, definitely. Um, and I think the highlight for me was honestly watching the introduction of Tom Holland's Spider-Man yep. into the MCU, talking with Captain America, being a fan as he's trying to beat <laughs> him up. I, yep. I, I thought it was just such a well-done scene. Really. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that scene really showcases I, I think a lot of scenes do this, but if I had to point to one scene that just showcases what the Russo brothers do really well, that's definitely gonna be in the top three because the way they're able to take this scene, which is really like to your point, emotional and climactic in terms of what it means for the arc of the story, for the arc of these relationships, and yet they're able to inject it with these moments of levity that don't feel completely jarring. Right. And with some action that feels fun and engaging, even though you know it's not supposed to be fun and engaging in that moment, right? Uh, the way they're able to nail that emotional tone yeah. was is, is pitch perfect. Yeah. And the giant Ant-Man. I tell you what. Yeah. Paul Rudd's Ant-Man makes every scene just a little bit better. Man, it was hard not to just, you know, you could do a whole list of the top five, like, comedy scenes in superhero movies. Oh, yeah. You totally could. And, you know, Ant-Man would probably have at least two or three of the top five. <laughs> or or an Ant-Man movie. Like, <laughs> the Michael Pena scenes in oh, yeah. Ant-Man and Ant-Man 2. Oh, my gosh. Man, doesn't this make you just want to watch all these movies over again? It, it kind does. Of, it kind of does me. Yeah, I spent way too much time while making these lists just rewatching the clips. <laughs> like, I gotta do it for research. <laughs> exactly. Don't mind me. I'm just, uh, I'm just researching. Number three for me did not have any humor in it, and and although Iron Man, I point to as sort of being where this is where I really got into superhero movies. I I had watched Spider Man, the Sam Raimi Spider Man, and the one through three, um, and I'd watched some of the X Men movies. But the the White House attack in X Men in X Two X Men mm -hmm. United yeah, with yeah, Nightcrawler yeah. is is a scene that sticks out to me as prior to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and becoming sort of a superhero movie nerd. This was the superhero scene for me. Like it was just so well directed, and uh, what what uh, Alan Cummings did with Nightcrawler in that whole movie, I really liked. But in the White House scene, as he's encroaching upon, you know, one of the most heavily guarded, you know, areas of our country, right? And the way he's poofing in and out and slamming guys into ceiling in a cloud of fog and um, just was really done, well done. I watched it again as a part of this and could not get enough of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice to see the X-Men get a little bit of love here because I think that they they actually, some of those movies are underrated. Um, and I think that that's one of them. I think that that's a pretty, it, it has some pretty decent moments in it. But, you know, when we think about, when we think about superheroes, you know, the MCU just dominates. You have um, DC's work, especially more recent work that sort of filters in and, and X-Men are often forgotten, but they shouldn't be. Yeah, because the overall product wasn't as good, but some of the scenes are just best in class. Yep, yep, I agree. Number two, I'll just say that this movie had 
two other contenders that could have made this list for me. Um, one was watching the main character hang from a chain and narrate to the audience oh. what exactly was going on. Yep. That was pretty hilarious. It's an honorable mention for me. The, uh, the other scene they could have made the list that didn't was that main character tackling another main character who's green in an arena. I thought that was pretty great as well. But, but the ultimate scene from Thor Ragnarok was, of course, the climactic fight on the Rainbow Bridge. Hmm. Was outstanding. And again, this speaks to the the power of music uh, to to really bring home uh, the the excellence of a scene, I think. I mean, when you hear Led Zeppelin's Immigrant Song just roar through there, and when you see all these characters, it gives me tingles even just, this this shows you what a fanboy I am. I, I get tingles thinking about, you know, Loki flipping his little weapons, thinking about... Uh, Hulk diving in to tackle the huge wolf Fenrir um, Thor with lightning coming out of his eyes it was just so over the top and the Led Zeppelin song to that was just pitch perfect for that just pitch perfect it wouldn't yeah. have been nearly as good without it no, I agree. And and my dad was in that same boat after he and I watched it in the IMAX at the Air and Space Museum in DC. We'd come out and he's like, that song, that song, what was that song? <laughs> he couldn't place it. But now the Immigrant Song by Led Zeppelin is one of my dad's favorite songs in his, <laughs> because of Thor Ragnarok. You know, I hear actually, it's it's sort of interesting. I heard somewhere that, uh, that Led Zeppelin hardly ever lets their music used for commercial purposes at all Hmm. and but for some reason uh which is funny the immigrant song has been used in other ones yeah i i think that they're really protective of it though from what i understand but they they did just it's sort of a teaser clip to show the kind of mood that they wanted from this movie using that song yeah everybody loved it so much they said you got to show this to led zeppelin and they showed (laughs) and they said yes use that so now now it's probably led zeppelin's most famous song now i it has to be at least for my generation because i remember before thor ragnarok uh it was shrek it was shrek 2 i think or shrek 2 or 3 that used the immigrant song in in a pretty funny way with one of the disney princesses so oh my goodness well, I may have to rewatch Shrek Two now because I don't remember that at all. I can't. I, I want to say it was with Snow White, but don't quote me on that. All right, number two for you. Senor. Number two for me comes from the greatest, in my opinion, superhero movie of all time: Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse from 2018, and it is the scene where Miles Morales meets Peter B. Parker. So it's the it's scene where Miles Morales has gone to the grave of Peter A. Parker because he doesn't, he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know what these weird things are happening to him. And then he is approached by, he's approached by Peter B. Parker and through a series of mishaps, knocks him out. They start to flee the police and through, through New York City. 
and just mayhem as a hobo snowman is being dragged through the streets of New York <laughs> by Miles Morales. And and again, for me, when I think about what I felt was like a, a, such a perfectly paced origin story for a superhero movie that also managed to be just a great standalone film, um, that scene to me just it hits all the emotional notes because it starts with this poignant emotional scene and then just becomes madcap, but then has these cool moments mixed in and mm, it's just fantastic. And the voice work by Jake Johnson is stellar. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. I think it's cheating to put a, an animated movie on there, but that's all right. I'll let that go. That's my second animated movie on here. <laughs> All right, number one for me, since this is the superhero Olympics, the gold medal. The gold medalist. And I, I'm just going to I'm gonna throw out a couple of honorable mentions that I also considered for this. The Dark Knight is still, I think, the best superhero movie ever made. And a lot of that just has to do with, with the, the construction of the story, uh, the creation of the characters. Heath Ledger's Joker, you've already mentioned, is just outstanding. Um, it has so many strengths to it, but, but one of the things that sometimes gets overlooked perhaps a little bit is just how strong some of the scenes are. Oh yeah. I think that, that one of the most iconic scenes would really be the Joker and the disappearing pencil Mm -hmm. to say any more than that. Um, but the scenes where Joker and Batman are together are absolutely riveting. The other one that, that almost made the list was the interrogation scene where Batman is questioning Joker. It starts off with uh, with Batman very much having the upper hand seemingly, and then it sort of twists. You see the, the, the brutal genius of the Joker sort of shining through in that scene where it just becomes really creepy and awful and depressing and brilliant. But the number one scene, the truck chase scene. Mm. I rewatched this again. This was one of the only movies, you know, I, I review movies for a living. I will mention this every once in a while. <laughs> um, I see a lot of movies. I saw and reviewed the dark Knight in IMAX. And when I saw the Batmobile transform into this motorcycle, this really cool fat wheeled motorcycle, which seems really difficult to drive, but he's Batman. So that's okay. And then when you have this huge semi flipping over on the road in this IMAX screen, it, it is still one of the only scenes that has truly taken my breath away where I said, oh my goodness, that gives me shivers. It was really a fantastically constructed scene. Absolutely. So, number one gold medal for me. And it's fitting because my gold medalist comes from the second best superhero film of all time. <laughs> and that is Christopher Nolan's the dark Knight. And this seems fitting for, as I look at the rest of my list for me, the scene that I, I will always think of when I think of the dark Knight is the introduction of Joker through the bank heist. My Goodness, I remember being in a theater when that was a special preview. 
you know, a classic, now classic Nolan preview. And it was that scene. And, but you didn't know it because it felt like this gritty crime film. Right. Yeah. And, and the rising tension as, as each of the clown gets knocked off by another and the plan progresses and it becomes more chaotic. And then to, to have that mask revealed and, and the chaos and, you know, with the, the, the dying bank manager on the floor being like, you know, criminals used to have a code. They used to, they used to meet, they used to stand for something. And, and then Heath Ledger, you know, whips his mask off and you meet the Joker and the school bus emerges from the rubble of this bank just to get in line with another set of, Oh my goodness gracious. <laughs> I watched it again, fully knowing how it all goes, having watched it so many times. And I felt the tension rising in my chest. I felt my heart coming into my throat. Yeah, no, it was a masterfully constructed scene. And I think that, I think that that scene has a lot to do with the power of the movie itself. I mean, it, it, if, if the movie introduced you to to this story in a more traditional way, in a less well-crafted way, I, I don't know if uh, if the Dark Knight would be as revered as it is now. That that scene that scene might have been the best table setter in movie history outside the uh, the intro for, for Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. I mean, I think that it just set the pace, set the tempo, set the tone for that movie incredibly well. Yeah. And it's just like Nolan being like, this is serious cinema. You thought you were here for a superhero film. No, I'm a, I'm a cinematographer. <laughs> I again, make serious cinema. And again, you have to think about the, the score from Hans Zimmer. In, in, oh my gosh. You know, that, that Hans Zimmer score just drove home the tension over and over and over and over again in these scenes that we're talking about. Yep. Whoo! Oh boy. I have uh, more more movie watching to do now. That's right. Movie watch to YouTube. Here we go. Just it's going to be a clip show from here on out. Miss <laughs> Paul and I just sit here silently, deciding which clip we're going to watch next. <laughs> then sit here quietly for three minutes. <laughs> Uh, but what what superhero scenes did we miss? Because there are a lot, and I'm sure we missed your favorites. So you should hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Jake underscore Roberson. I'm at AC Paul. You should hit us up with some GIFs or YouTube clips, preferably YouTube clips, of your favorite superhero movie scenes of all time because I would like some more clips to watch and I want to get inside your crazy brain to know which ones were your favorites. So please hit us up on the Twitter with that. But without any further ado, it's time for the most least important thing. We've arrived at the most least important thing, the way we love to wrap up every single little show of ours, making superheroes into supervillains and vice versa, turning Ant-Man into Giant-Man, Giant-Man. <laughs> Paul, what do you got for us today? 
Well, continuing with our superhero scene, this was something that uh, that struck my fancy, and I I don't even know how I really feel about this. Apparently, there are 40 minutes of unseen footage from Batman Forever, which is widely considered to be one of the worst Batman movies ever, uh, directed by Joel Schumacher. It was supposed to be, it was very campy, very light, very silly, sort of a throwback to the old 1960s uh, Batman and definitely away from the Tim Burton Batman who we had seen a couple of movies earlier. Um, but apparently the the 40 minutes that wasn't included, uh, it contains some darker scenes. It has, a, it has a more gritty type of feel. It includes one of my one of the best Batman villains ever, Man Bat. Mm. Uh, so people, of course, are calling for the Schumacher release as they often do when, when this stuff comes about. I do not know how I feel about that because I don't know. I, I always kind of feel like fans are a little bit too entitled these days to mm. get um, stories that they want told, told the way they want them to be told. And I don't know. I, I would be very curious to see the 40 minutes of footage. And yet, even though Batman Forever is not a great Batman movie, I'm fine just leaving it the way it is. I don't think we need to have a great deal of revision to to change it up. I mean, I think that if the studio uh, released it the way it was released, I'm okay with that. So, yeah, I mean, who says it's going to make it better? Right, right. There it might, might just make it worse. Yeah, exactly. There's plenty of directors who have released their versions of the film and it didn't fix the film. Uh, or who's you know who have said publicly like no that is my realized vision out on the screen and we're left with the garbage that is 2001 a space odyssey so uh <laughs> my goodness every any opportunity podcast, i get every single podcast jake but uh it's like i never i haven't seen this i know you know this was seems to be a batman thing right everybody wanted the snyder cut right for Batman v Superman. And I'm like, is that really going to fix it? You know, is, is, is adding more time to a movie that already felt too long and convoluted. Is that going to fix the movie? I don't think so. I, I honestly, I, I am a big nerd, right? And I like my geeky movies. I like my superhero movies. I like my star Wars movies. I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm finding myself with less patience for impatient fans that mm. want to reject the stories that they don't like. I mean, it's fine if you don't like them. It's fine if you don't see them. But, I mean, to, to call for a remake of certain Star Wars movies because it didn't make, you know, meet your expectations, I think that that's... I, I am also a creator in my own sort of writing way, and I think that, that creators should have charge of their own creations. Yeah. And you know what? For me, it's a little bit like live sports where it's the, the, you don't know what's going to happen, right? That's part of the magic of going to see a movie in theaters for the first time is most of the time you don't know what's going to happen that first time you watch it. And you're along for the ride with the vision of the story that the director had or that, you know, a conglomerate of people had depending on the film. Right. Exactly. And, and you don't know, and you're along for the ride. And sometimes that ride ends up really mediocre, sometimes really awful, sometimes incredible, like The Dark Knight. 
And it feels like you hit a jackpot when you get those films, just like when you watch live sports, you don't know who's going to win. You hope it's your favorite team. You hope it's the person you're rooting for, but there's bad calls or bounces don't go your way. And so part of the fun for me of going to watch that movie in the theater for the first time is, is this thing going to be totally terrible or mediocre (laughs) or awesome? I don't know. That unknown is exciting to see what is, what have you decided to give us? And that surprising element. Um, so for me, that's the other thing is I don't, once it's all said and done, adding on 40 minutes of footage doesn't reinvent the film for me. It doesn't right. make it something new because I already know what it is. And so you can add 40 minutes to a farmer feeding his pigs, but you're still just watching a farmer feeding his pigs. Yep. Yep. I I agree. I agree. And uh, that mystery, that theatrical mystery is a fantastic segue. I didn't know what Paul was bringing for the most least important thing. Uh, But my most least important thing is this news that Christopher Nolan's latest film, Tenet, is going to be getting an international theatrical release before it gets a U.S. release. And that is something us U.S. film goers are not used to. And a lot of us are really nervous about now that is it going to be spoiled for us? (laughs) Is somebody going to spoil Tenet for me? You know, we've heard how secret Nolan has tried to keep the script and uh, how tight of a rein he's tried to hold on not letting any spoilers get out. And now it's going to get an international release in theaters in late August. And maybe it'll get a limited release here in the U.S. in theaters. Maybe not depending on the COVID-19 situation. And uh, I think I think it's fascinating for one, you know, how us U.S. consumers are now worried about all the spoilers we might get when we probably haven't had that much regard for the international audience for the last many years. So that's amusing to me. Uh, two, though, I do wonder what this means as we try to figure out a pragmatic middle ground for movie and theatrical releases in particular over the next 12 to 18 months. Is this going to be a type of model that we see implemented more often that we kind of just have to get used to? This hybrid, it'll get an international release in markets where it's okay, but then a limited release everywhere else or maybe straight to video because the Hollywood can't keep postponing forever. Right, right. It, it is a really, um, it's a really interesting time to be um, a movie goer or a movie reviewer or in the movie industry, for sure, because the, the industry is changing a great deal. And, you know, honestly, a lot of these changes were coming before COVID ever did. Um, I think that we've already seen a, a trend toward um, the international market is becoming much more important in terms of a, of a movie's box office success. We're seeing international products like Parasite come over here mm. really well audiences. It, it, is, it has always been in some ways, the quintessential American industry, this movie magic of Hollywood, even though, you know, you have some fantastic foreign movies that have been made throughout the decades. And arguably, um, the United States was a latecomer in, even in the production of, of, you know, really quality movies, but it's such a quintessential part of, of Americana, really. And to feel that we are um, sort of moving into a different era it's almost like, you know what it's like? It's like when the dream team stopped 
being the dream team, like when international teams could start to compete against this this basketball dynasty. Mm. Um, I think that that it becomes it's just an interesting period of time for us, and the coronavirus has really shaken things up even more. And I think that that we're going to see more and more changes within the world of entertainment. Um, movies and TV have already blended so closely together. We're seeing some incredible success of, of movies going straight to streaming, straight to video. Um, it, it almost feels like we are, we are on the cusp of a renewal of the movie industry itself. And that comes with its share of joys, potentially, and terrors. You know, I like the movie industry the way it was. It's what I grew up with. It's what I have I have come to be used to. And for that to be changing, I mean, there there comes a, a, a little sadness with that. But at the same time, I'm also excited to see first run movies on, you know, streaming at that I can watch uh, watch from my home, too. That would be kind of fun, too. So there's a lot of interesting wrinkles to it all. Yeah. I'm very curious to see what does stick and what ends up being a flash in the pan, because obviously a lot of us are prognosticating a lot of different things. My my gut tells me we still have this desire as human beings to gather for spectacle, like uh, that has been true for thousands of years. You know, now what we gather around has changed, but the fact that we like to gather in public around a spectacle has has been fairly constant for a long time. And and you see a lot of people longing for that in the midst of all the shutdowns, right? We want to gather and watch live sports. We want to gather at the movie theaters. And so, um, you know, a lot of people have been, call, you know, uh, announcing the death of the movie theater for a long time, you know, from when TV became a bigger thing to when VHS and DVDs became a bigger thing and our screens expanded. And yet they've somehow managed to adapt, maybe not thrive in every single circumstance, but adapt. Right. And so I wonder how many of the shifts will be permanent and how many will just be temporary. Yeah. Uh, because I, I do still – I don't – it to me, Tenet being released at home would be interesting. I would watch it. But I want to see Christopher Nolan on the big screen. Yeah. Well, I want to see the Avengers on the big screen. And that gets right back to the core of this entire podcast, right? I mean when you think about those iconic Dark Knight scenes, when you think about the Avengers battles that we were talking about, those – those not only demand a big screen, but those almost demand a communal experience to feel them the way we felt them. Yeah. The reason that they made our list is because we felt not only the excitement that was going on on screen, but the excitement all around us because we could feel the energy in the, in the audience that was with us. Um, when I saw that, that, that semi-truck flip over... I wasn't the only one who gasped. Yeah. And to know that you were experiencing not only a great cinematic scene, but seeing it with so many people who saw the very same thing that you saw, that appreciated it in the same way that you appreciated it. There's something that is where 
to to use a cliche, that is where movie magic is truly made. It's not just on the screen. It's in the audience reacting to what they see. Yeah. One of my favorite movie experiences still to this day is when my wife and I went to see Get Smart in theaters before we were even married. And (laughs) the scene where Steve Carell knocks out his captor and then is trying to use his pupil to unlock the door (laughs) and is just, you know, having to manipulate his body and smash his face against the scanner. And it's my wife laughed so hard and so loud and so long that the movie had moved on into a new scene, new stuff happening. And she was still dying, laughing out loud. And people were turning around looking to see what was going on. Is this person okay? And and then I was laughing even harder. And I think other people in the theater kept laughing a little harder because she was just losing it. And it was this weird communal experience with people I have never met. It was dark. I couldn't see their faces. But it was amazing. It was yeah. amazing. Yeah, no, it, it, there is something irreplaceable about actually going to a movies. And as much as I enjoy sitting on my comfy couch, being able to get snacks from the kitchen, um, I tell you what, there, you just go into a, an actual movie theater, there's nothing better in some ways. Yeah. So there you have it. That's all for this first, possibly last, maybe middle, maybe somewhere in the beginning episode of the pop culture with fanboy and know-it-all superhero olympics could be a one-time thing you know like where we've set up a sequel like the matthew broderick godzilla film where clearly there was going to be a sequel once you watch that that final scene it depends on if we get funding for another one that's that's what it comes down to that's right so feel free to to send us your donations i'll uh if you if you DM me on Twitter, I'll send you my Cash App handle. <laughs> but until that time, until we meet again, I'm Jake. I am Paul. We'll catch you on the flip side. Bye. first night after I posted it, it was nice. It was fun because I was getting like a couple of dozen responses. Right. And right. so I'm talking back and forth. It, this is a big tweet for you, right? I mean, yeah. a couple of dozen, that's pretty good. That's massive for me. If I get, if I get three responses on a tweet, that's above average. Yeah, me too. So a couple of dozen responses, people came in with characters that I wasn't familiar with from shows I hadn't watched. And so I was talking back and forth. Oh, what's this from? I haven't seen this. I don't know who this is. And I was getting a lot of shame for never having watched The West Wing. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah and, I didn't either. So. Yeah. So then I was like, oh, that was fun. That was fun. I put it away. I wake up the next morning and I've got hundreds of responses. And I'm like, holy cow. Well, I'm going to start trying to reply. And so I start trying to reply to people for like 30 minutes. But like now my they start updating faster than I can reply. And all of a sudden, you know, then I'm getting several hundred an hour. Then I'm getting thousands per hour. And I, I think it, yeah, at peak, I was, it was just bananas. Yeah, it's, it reminds me a little bit of Mickey Mouse 
chopping up the broom, right? And then all of a sudden, all the brooms, the mops come marching in. That was like your tweets. That was your Twitter feed. Yeah, or when Lucy and Ethel are trying to work oh, yeah. at the chocolate factory. Yeah. yeah. I'm just yeah. stuffing chocolate tweets in my mouth. Or gremlins when you water them. <laughs> I, I've never seen gremlins, so I don't know. I, that's what I hear. How, how can Cool Ranch not be your favorite Dorito? That doesn't because, even... because I've had Salsa Verde Doritos. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's right. You kept talking about your Salsa Verde Doritos that aren't – they're not for sale hardly anywhere, right? I can't find them anywhere. And every time I try to get Frito-Lay to answer my question about them on Twitter, they just say, oh, we're so sorry. We can't guarantee – we can't tell you when they're going to be in your local stores. And I'm and all I keep saying back is I don't – I know you can't tell me that. But can you tell me that production has started? And then they, they ghost me. <laughs> A big state secret. It's terrible. I'm about to become a Doritos conspiracy theorist. It could be just sort of a limited supply. It might be sort of a collector's item. They only make them for celebrities. Tiny I would lose event. my mind. Kim Kardashian. Yeah. Maybe Chris, Chrissy Teigen. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Those are the only people who get salsa verde. At this point, it's entirely plausible that the Illuminati engineered COVID-19 just to deprive me of salsa verde. <laughs> so would there be a Dorito flavor that you would not like? What if they made a sweet Dorito? Um, you know, I, I am of the mindset that I will try every one that I can and reserve my judgment for the finished product. Uh, that being said, there are ones that I have not been like a big fan of. Um, one to me that feels like a waste was their toasted corn version. Toasted corn. Isn't that redundant to what Doritos are? I mean, it was just a, it was just an unflavored Dorito. It's like a Frito except in a Dorito shape, right? It's like a Tostito. A Tostito. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just, and uh, so it's kind of like, well, that, that seems like a waste. I'm, I, I appreciate, you know, I, I appreciate Tostitos just fine. The same company, right? Uh, the other one that I was not a big fan of was they did a mystery flavor one summer that they were trying to get you to guess, and it was a cheeseburger. Oh, yeah, so, that might not work. It wasn't. It wasn't the worst thing I've ever eaten. It wasn't like spit it out of your mouth, disgusting, but it wasn't great. Yeah. See, you know, I think like cinnamon chocolate Doritos would be pretty good. That would I think be, they would, yeah. It'd I, be a bit like a Sopapilla Dorito, you know. Sopapilla Dorito. Oh my goodness. Sopapillas. I would love, I I could eat Sopapillas all day long. I love Sopapillas. But you don't have hardly anybody who makes Sopapillas the right way anymore. Yeah, they're, they're, and that's the one the one thing they do right. They do sopapillas really well. It's kind of incredible how good their sopapillas are. And it really is, especially since all their the rest of their food is well, not as good. We'll just say that. <laughs> I actually made sopapillas this week. No way. I didn't even know you could do that. Yeah. I, every time I fry something, I was going to fry some chicken wings. And when you when you fry anything, what you learn is that it takes a lot of oil. 
and that you don't want to like waste all that oil. Yeah. And so you get tempted to fry whatever you can if you're going to fry one thing. Yeah. Actually, so, that, that's really intriguing because Wendy and I have started frying up stuff ourselves. We made – we really got to get to the podcast actually. <laughs> but <laughs> we made these really cool cheese wontons. Awesome. They yep. were so good. Oh, my goodness. Yep, we've done – I did like an avocado cheese, cream cheese wonton not oh, long that, ago. That's disgusting, but I appreciate it. 